Real life. Real life. Real life. Real life. Real life. Hey, wait a minute. What's the name of your church? Real life Christian church. Real life. Get real with another edition of Think About It. Real life messages from Pastor Dennis Rasper from Real Life Christian Church. And now, let's listen to the message from Pastor Rasper. And so I call this message today a model for dads. And the model we're going to look at is in Ephesians 5, beginning in verse 22. And in that part of Scripture, we find the model. I believe the model. No, no, I believe I know. That's the model for what a husband and a dad should be. Now, here's the deal about this whole thing. Dads in our culture today, men in general, have been denigrated. The man is presented as weak, wimpish, and women in TV. The media are presented as the strong, stable ones and the leaders. And you don't know how, how adverse that is to the, to, to the biblical pattern. That is so anti the biblical pattern, and that's a lie right out of hell. All you have to do is read all this stuff about um, the feminization of your boys in school. And you, I mean, there's a lot of literature out of that. I mean, you look, I mean, you look at how the school system today, and this is because of the NEA, is that it? The National Education Association? The NEA is, um, they have a plan to feminize our young men. And I like what Bob Dutko said. I heard this last Thursday on the Dutko show. He said it began, he said he thought it began, and I kind of agree with this, with, um, with the honeymooners. Ralph Cramden, Ed Norton. A couple of real klutzes, right? They couldn't do anything right. And their wives, Alice and Trixie, they were the strong, stable one. And these guys were a couple of jerks, a couple of buffoons, goons, you know. And folks, it hasn't changed. And men are presented to the public today as weak, lifeless, and we depend on the women. And God made the woman to be dependent on the man. It's just they're, they're totally the, the, the secular media is totally reversing the roles. Guys were ordained by God to be leaders, and they were ordained by God to be strong. And um, women were ordained in the family to be dependent on the man. And I know that doesn't set well with some people in our culture. I want to bring it right back to Christ because we have eternal life, because he gave us the gift of eternal life when he died and paid for our sins. And when you place your faith in Jesus Christ, you get his righteousness, and inside you, you get the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit in you will give you a desire to be more like Jesus Christ. He will give you that desire. And you're going to want a desire to be like Christ in everything. And um, that means in your family, too. And that's what God inspired the Apostle Paul to write about in Ephesians 5. The family should be a model of Christ and his bride, the church. In John chapter 3, God's word calls Jesus Christ the groom or the bridegroom. That's John 3, 29. So Jesus is the groom. And if he's a groom, he has to have a bride. Well, who's that? That's believers, folks, you and me. Or anyway, those who place their faith in Jesus Christ. We are his beloved bride. Then you get to that beautiful chapter in Revelation 19, and that pictures the groom, Jesus Christ, coming for his bride. It's called the marriage feast or the marriage supper of the Lamb. Revelation 19, and the Lamb comes from heaven for his bride on this glowing white horse in victory. Man, what a beautiful chapter. His bride is his beloved believers, his church. And so the family is a picture of Jesus Christ and his bride. We're going to look at that. 
And man, we need to know that, man, that is key. If you don't understand that in family, your family's never going to be all that it can be. You've got to understand that the family is a model or should be modeled after Jesus Christ and his bride, the church. And that will bless us, man, on the decisions we make as a family. So we look at Ephesians chapter 5 and in verses 22 to 24, the apostle Paul writes about wives. And then from 25 on, it's all about husbands and dads. So let me read Ephesians 5, 22 and 23. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. And that, 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 that sim- that, that, those two simple passages alone should blow away the, the contemporary picture that's being painted in, our, in the media of men. And so, um, you know, in my own personal experience, the toughest struggle that married women have, though, is to submit to their husbands. I think that's the toughest thing they have. That's in my own personal experience. And we have to understand this, and this will help us, that God established authority. He established the authority in society of government, right? In church, he established the authority of the elders. In the home, he established the authority of the man, the husband, because he knew, God knew, God the Father knew without authority there'd be chaos. And God the Father knew that this would be very tough. As a matter of fact, he wrote in Genesis chapter 3 about submission. He wrote about the curse that sin brought upon the woman. He inspired this. In Genesis 3.16, the curse on the woman, I will greatly increase your pains in childbearing, and with pain you will give birth to children. That's half the curse on the woman, and that's the easy half, pain in childbirth. Here's the tough half. And your desire will be for your husband. And the Hebrew word for desire there is the desire to control. It's used as a desire to control throughout the Old Testament. So we can read it like this. Your desire will be to control your husband, and he will rule over you. And that's where the conflict comes in. Your desire will be to control your husband, and he will rule over you. And, and so God knows. God knows this is not easy. It's about as tough as it gets. But here's something else you've got to know, too. In this whole matter of submission, God gives you grace. He gives you the grace to do what he wants you to do. And some ladies, a bunch have told me this, well, God meant that to me. He's the spiritual, the spiritual head of the house. Well, I guess you're entitled to your interpretation, but um, <laughs> I look at Ephesians 5.24. It says, now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in what? Everything. But that is God's word. And if that weren't possible, if that weren't possible... God wouldn't tell us to do it. And what the Holy Spirit is telling us through the Apostle Paul is this. Honestly, in a sense, he's asking us, would you submit to Christ? Ladies, would you submit to Jesus Christ? If Christ were here, would you submit to him? In the same way, submit to your husbands. As the bride, his church submits to Jesus Christ. So we need to submit to husbands. And um, I know you want to say this. I know you want to say, yeah, but Jesus was perfect. And the guy I'm married to is very imperfect. But I also need to say this. Honey, you ain't no gem. You're a little imperfect too, you know what I mean? Then you got two imperfect people as mom and dad in that household. So now we get to the Father's Day stuff because it's up to dad, the husband, to make submission palatable. I think husbands can make by this word of God's submission something really neat to get to a point where your wives say, hey, God's way is best. This submission thing really works. This is great. So let's look at the marks of a godly husband and dad from the biblical model in Ephesians 5.25. And we read, 25, husbands, love your wives as Christ, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So the groom, Christ Jesus, gave himself up for or surrendered himself for the bride. 
That's the pattern, folks. He surrendered himself. I mean, Judas Iscariot leads a crowd of people to the Garden of Gethsemane to apprehend Jesus, and Peter starts swinging a sword and cuts a guy's ear off. And listen to what Jesus said. I mean, Peter cuts this guy's ear off, and Jesus said, put your sword back in its place. And then he said, do you think I cannot call on my father, and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? And so he's saying, I could blow you guys away, but I'm allowing this to happen. That's what Jesus is saying. So he surrendered, I mean, he literally gave himself up. He surrendered himself because somebody had to die for sin, either him or his beloved bride. And so he said to his bride, you live, you live. That's, see, we're following the model of Christ in the church. He said, you live, I give myself up. I'll be the one to die. And men need to think like Jesus Christ. We have to get into his mind as much as possible. It was love that caused Jesus Christ to give himself up. And your wife should know that you're willing to give yourself up for her. She has to sense that. I've been doing this study of Song of Solomon. And I'll tell you, I am really into that book, the Song of Solomon. And the thing I like about this book, it really gets into the fabric of everyday life. It's a book about romantic love, seriously, within the framework of marriage. And guys, I'll tell you, you, you read this book, Song of Solomon, you're going to start chasing your wife around the house. And you wise, if you read the book, you're not going to run so fast when he chases you, I'll tell you. And, you know, I mean, there is such a beautiful definition of love in Song of Solomon chapter 8. It, it is so beautiful. I mean, uh, to me, it's about the most beautiful definition of love in all the Holy Scripture. I want you to look at this. And we're talking about husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. What a, what a beautiful definition of love. I'm looking at Song of Solomon chapter 8, verse 6. The second half of the verse, it says, For love is as strong as death, is jealousy unyielding as the grave. Love is as strong as death, is jealousy as unyielding as the grave, meaning the grave will overcome you. Death will happen regardless. Now, in the same way, the Spirit inspires Solomon to write, I will love you regardless of how you treat me. I will love you regardless. And for wives, this is for you too. I mean, folks, God wrote this. True love is as unyielding as the grave, this word of God says. In other words, I will love you no matter what, no matter what you do to me, no matter what you say to me, no matter how irritated you get with me, no matter what kind of ridiculous demands you make of me, I will love you regardless. It is forever. And it will never, ever stop. It'll never end. You can't make me not love you. And then you look at the second half, uh, half of the verse, verse 6 in Song of Solomon, chapter 8. It says, true love burns like a blazing fire. See that? Like a mighty flame. Means there's feeling. There's feeling. I mean, the Word of God says love burns like a blazing fire. I mean... There's emotion, there's feeling. It's not just sexual emotion. It's just that there's feeling there. There's passion there. I mean, you laugh together, you cry together. Sometimes you argue. You know, and once in a while, the arguing gets a little heavy and emotions surface. But that's feeling and you cry and you cry and you hug and you feel for each other. That's got to be there. Verse 7, Song of Solomon, chapter 8. It says, love is unquenchable. That's on your outline. Many waters cannot quench love. Rivers cannot wash it away. In other words, floods or rivers of water can't wash love away. The floods will come. Issues are going to come at you at your marriage like mighty waters. But love faces them. And here's the big word together. That's what this word of God is saying. It's saying we're in this marriage together. We are one. Whatever comes at you comes at me. That's what it's saying. Whatever comes at you comes at me. Whatever comes at you comes at me. And that's what Jesus says to us in his, all his I love yous. Whatever comes at you comes at me. 
I mean, isn't this a great definitive statement of love, true love? Now look at the second half of verse 7 of Song of Solomon 8. It says, if, um, if one were to give all the wealth of his house for love, it would be utterly scorned. That's you saying they couldn't pay me enough not to love you. They couldn't pay me enough. You are the best of the best of the best of the best. And that's how Jesus Christ feels about every single one of you. And guys, your wife needs to hear that. Love is, uh, is as unyielding as the grave. You love her despite all her faults and idiosyncrasies. And that goes for wives, for husbands too. It burns like a blazing fire. There's feeling, there's passion. No flood of circumstances can drown it out. You face it all together. And you say, you're worth more than anything anybody could ever pay me, baby. You are it. And here's another way to love your spouse is Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. you got to learn her love language. And again, this goes both ways. You need to learn each other's love language. I'm sure a lot of you have read The Five Languages of Love. That's a classic book now by Gary Chapman. And The Five Languages of Love, and I've said this before, are words of affirmation, time spent, gift, service, and romance. But you got to discover her love language and meet that need. See, Cheryl's is time spent. And if she's gone, I'll clean up the whole house and, you know, have the floors vacuumed, lines in the floors, have dinner in the oven. We buy these two-inch thick pork chops at Costco. I'll even have those two-inch thick pork chops in, in, in the oven, just about done, man. And everything looks good when she gets home. She appreciates that. But if I'm going to be gone four or five nights a week, remember her love language is time spent. All that work doesn't mean squat. And I can use all the other love languages too. Words of affirmation, the whole bit. Gifts, the whole bit. But if I don't spend any time with her, it means squat. Now, if I choose to stay home and I could be gone, or if I say, let's go somewhere for a day, let's go to Port Huron for a day, and let's kind of walk under the blue water bridge and hold hands and walk by the water and go do some shopping and buy, and buy for us, not for the grandkids. You know, now I tell you, I score. That's when I score, see? Because that's her love language, see? That's the biggest I love you there is. So learn the love language, guys. This is Father's Day, and you've heard this. You Dick said it earlier. The best gift a dad can give his kids is to love their mom. The best gift a dad can give their kids is to love their mom. A stable marriage where dad loves mom like Christ loves the church. Again, you've got to get back to that model. And mom submits to that. Where dad loves mom like Christ loves the church, and, dad, mom, and mom submits to that. That is a stable home. And I want to tell you something. You can't give your kids anything better than a stable home like that. And there's the model. See what I mean? There's the model in the Word of God. Now, I spent too much time on the first one. So we've got to hurry with the rest. But this is very important, too. The second principle of a godly man is, is this. A godly husband and, 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 and dad. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. It's verse 25 and then verse 26. To make her holy, cleansing her by washing with water through the word. And to present her to himself, a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle or any other, any other blemish, holy and blameless. See, leadership, I love to study leadership principles. And one of those leadership principles is learn to delegate, learn to give stuff away, train people, and learn to trust them. But I also learned this leadership principle. And dads are leaders, guys. I've got to tell you, you are servant leaders. That's the biblical model, not the culture's model, but you are a strong servant leader. That's the biblical pattern. And um, there's certain things, this leadership principle, the thing that I learned is, as a strong servant leader, there's certain things you can't give away. You've got to learn to delegate, but there's certain things that only you can do. You can't delegate it. Now, in most so-called Christians' home, moms have taken over spiritual leadership. That is so sad. Dads have abdicated that. Dads have abdicated that. And moms and dads need to work together at this, but God's going to hold dad accountable. 
Dads, you will be held accountable for your children's growth or lack of it in the Lord. God's given husbands, men, right here in the Word of God, man, dads, the responsibility that those kids know the Lord and they grow in it, and your wife knows the Lord, to make her holy, cleansing her by washing, excuse me, by the washing with water through the Word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain, wrinkle, blemish, in other words, acceptable to God. So that reset, God's given me no greater responsibility than to present my wife and my children and through marriage to have strong influence on my sons and daughters-in-law and grandchildren, great-grandchildren, to present them, listen, without stain, wrinkle, blemish, or any other sin, holy and blameless. And all that means because they believe in Jesus Christ, they bear the righteousness of Christ. In Jesus Christ, they are thus acceptable to the Father in heaven. You have no higher goal. I got to tell you this. My highest calling, you dads, your highest calling is to present your family to God the Father, acceptable for heaven by trusting in Jesus Christ. And if you think you have a higher calling in life, you are all wrong. Dads, think about this. If your kids spend eternity in hell, separated from the Father, forever tormented, are you a good dad? Let me say this again. If your children spend eternity in hell, separated from the Father, tormented forever in eternal hell, have you been a good dad? No, you haven't. I mean, you, a lot of dads say, well, I gave them a good education. You know, they're going to college. We've got to fun put away and all this. Come on. I hear so much of this in the culture. Education is the answer to the culture's problems. That's so much baloney. Education is so liberal. and Education is so far from God's word. It draws us away from, from biblical teaching in a lot of cases. So that's why there has to be solid biblical teaching in the home. So how do you present your wife and children acceptable to the Father, acceptable for heaven? That's verse 26 cleansing her by, by, by the washing with water, and that means the Word of God. The Word of God cleanses us from sin. The Word of God makes us acceptable because it points us to Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit works through the Word of God. Dads, every time you get your kid's nose in that Bible, the Holy Spirit is going to work, and it's going to point them toward Jesus Christ because the whole Bible is about Jesus Christ. And the Word of God tells us how God wants us to live. It's all right in here. It's going to tell us that you don't walk around with a load of guilt. It tells us that God forgives. And when we sin, he empowers us by his Holy Spirit to live the way he wants us to. Men, it's our responsibility to make certain that our wife and children are exposed to the word of God, first in the home, next in the church, and then any venue possible. That those principles are fixed in their mind and fixed in their heart. The worst commercial I have ever seen in my life. i got to tell you about this one. And this beats for being bad, the Victoria's Secret commercials. It's by Singular, which is now AT&T. And this mom gets a call from her daughter. And the daughter says, and it shows the daughter in Las Vegas, Mom, me and Tommy flew to Las Vegas. Anybody see that commercial? Okay. And then the connection breaks because it's a drop call commercial, see? But mom doesn't know the connection broke. See, mom still thinks her daughter's just silent on the other end of the line, waiting for her reaction that she and her boyfriend flew to Las Vegas. And so there's a moment of silence. And she says, you didn't get married, did you, she says. See, mom doesn't care that her daughter and some guy flew to Las Vegas and they're staying at the Tropicana, blowing all their money and having all the sex they want. She says, you didn't get married, did you, and make the same stupid mistake I made in other words, it's okay you're in Las Vegas with your boyfriend. Have all the sex you want, sweetie. Just don't get married to an idiot like I did. That denigrates marriage. That denigrates men. Man, I'll tell you, 
I mean, to fly off and have sex is acceptable behavior. I hate that commercial so bad. And if you work for AT&T, forgive me, but you could give me singular for free for the rest of my life for an AT&T product, and I wouldn't take it. I'm sure that'll change, but I'll tell you. Um, Dad's about the worst commercial I have ever seen in my life. And how many moms and dads are allowing their kids to watch this and watch TV? Can you imagine the subtle influence on your children, dads? Come on. They pick up on this. Marriage and, and, and manhood has just been denigrated. I mean, you got to be there with them and say yes to this and no to that. That's what I'm getting at, man, because I'm, from the media and in the school, they're, they're getting one lie after another. You know, that the, the boys should be feminized or just believe something and you go to heaven. God's easy. Grace is cheap. Evolution. Each person determines right and wrong for themselves. That's what they're getting through the media. That's what they're getting through the school system. You've got to monitor that. You've got to be there. And only the word of God, listen, this, this word comes back to this now. Only the word of God taught and modeled offsets this. They have to see you model it. You've got to get them into the word of God every opportunity. Every time you get a chance to get these kids in the Word of God, man, they should be here. But anyway, uh, they have to see you model what you teach too, dads. You got, you got to let your wife, God, dads, you got to let your wife and kids catch you on your knees once in a while. And, and, and you got to tell your kids, dads, you know, they want something later, honey. Dad, dad needs to study his Bible right now. Dad's going to study his Bible. Well, I'll take care of this later. You need to do that. You need to do that. Okay. And when your wife sees see she has a man of faith like that, a man of biblical conviction, who stands on the principles of this word of God, a spiritual leader, unless she is a real loser, a klutz and a half, man, I'll tell you, submission will be automatic when she sees that. Unless she's a real loser, and I'm serious about that, you know, she will, um, you know, submission will be, you won't hear all this garbage about submission, man. It'll be, it'll be, it'll be good. It'll be good. Third mark of a godly man, according to Ephesians 5. This is verses 28 to 30, if you want to look at that, please. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one has ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it, just as Christ feeds and cares for the church. And so the picture is of Christ again and his church. See, that's the model. As you pamper your body, pamper your wife. And wives, you need to look out for your hubbies too. You need to do the same thing for them. This is so important. When she has a concern, you got to think like this, guys. Who else cares? When your wife has a concern, who else cares? Let's say she doesn't like um, the bad language a kid down the street uses that, you're, that, they, that, that your kids are hanging out with. And she doesn't know how to address this issue. I mean, how do I address this issue? You're, these kids are using bad language. I really want to go and talk to the parents, but I don't know what to say. So will you go? That's a tough one, isn't it? But you do it. Somehow you pray about it and you do it. I mean, well, what if your wife works and has a hard time getting along with this person at work? Does anybody else care? Does one other person on earth care that your wife is having a hard time getting along with this person at work? Or what if she has acid reflex? Who cares but you? Or what if um, she looks so tired lately? I mean, does anybody really care that this person that God gave you looks tired? I mean, who else is going to say, honey, get a medical examination? Or, honey, here, I use B12. That gives me a lot of energy. Take a multivitamin, take some B12 or something like that, you know. And we need to listen. We need to pray for those details. And you need to come back to it and say, how's it going, sweetie? And Paul writes, we're part of the same body. And that simply means that when she hurts, you hurt. We're part of the same body. When she hurts, you hurt, see. 
When she's happy, so are you. You celebrate her victories and you cry over her losses. And I really believe this. You know, people laugh at this, but I really believe there is biblical support that a guy should pamper his wife like he pampers his body. It says so right here. And I, and I mean this. I mean, whatever she wants, whatever she wants, guys, if it's in line with God's word and if it's all possible, I believe God lays it on us to do everything in our power to make it happen to do everything to make it happen. It goes right back to creation. She's the one to be provided for. She's the one to be protected. You don't send your wife off to military. You don't put your wife on the police force, all that stuff. You don't do that to your wife. She's the one to be provided for. She's the one to be protected. She's the one to be cherished. She's the one to be pampered. You do that, husbands, and she will know it. She will respond. Submission is going to be automatic. And your kids are going to enjoy a biblical family where love flows like a river. They're going to be secure because you're modeling the love of Jesus Christ. It's a biblical model for a man, folks. Right here in the Word of God in Ephesians 5. One more, one more, the mark of a godly husband and dad. The Apostle Paul in, um, quotes now in verse 31, Genesis 2.24. He says, for, for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. And as you listen to her and as you communicate, you build that one flesh relationship. But you talk, you communicate. You say, what do you think, sweetheart? I'm not doing this without your support. This is a partnership. You are one. You're a partnership with the Lord Jesus. You're in partnership with the Lord Jesus Christ. Think About It is sponsored by Real Life Christian Church. Real Life Christian Church meets in Endeavor Middle School, 22505 26 Mile Road, just west of North Avenue in Ray, Michigan. Sunday service starts at 10 a.m. Visit us on the web at rlcc.us. Never miss a single message from Pastor Rasper. Just go to faithtalk1500.com and download the Real Life Podcast. And until next week, may God's Word do a work in you. Real Life Christian Church. Get real.